Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Sabbath Services. Last week, we had no Internet in Hollister, so we couldn't have live streaming services. But it shows that when they want to shut it down, everything goes. What's going to happen when they shut down all Christian websites? They're going to do it. You wait. They already have that in mind. Okay. So, what you need to do is like some have been doing. You need to get books that we have published so you have them. They can't erase the book if you have it printed. But they can erase it if it's on a computer or a smartphone that is hooked up to the Internet. And all digital communication and everything can be wiped out with an e-bomb. So think of what that could be. We're sitting right at the precipice that those things can take place. And we're also sitting at the precipice where Satan is coming out of the closet. Now, what do I mean by that? We know from First Peter, the third chapter, that there's wicked spirits in prison. And likewise, in Second Peter, in Tartarus, which means a place of restraint. Then we also see in Revelation, the eighth chapter, that their demons are led out of the abyss. So there are demons that have yet to be released. And we're entering a time which is very important to understand, and we need to stay strong in the Lord, as I wrote in the letter that's coming out, because they're going to be openly worshiping Satan the devil. Now, the other day, someone sent me by email two video clips called The Secret of Satan. Okay. Now, it didn't say who it was put out by. The two totaled around 15 minutes. But what they did, they brought out the typical Jewish belief that there's no such a thing as the devil. Rather, it is an angel of God to test people. And if you keep the commandments of God, then you'll pass the test. So in other words, there is no devil. Well, let's come here to how many hundreds of times have we read this? Revelation 12 and verse 9. And none of these other scriptures were quoted. The only scripture he quoted was Isaiah 14, verse 10. 
Okay, we'll look at that a little later. But here it says, verse 9, And a great dragon was cast out. Now, where was our first encounter with Satan the devil, and what did he appear as? A serpent in the Garden of Eden. Okay. He was cast out, the ancient serpent. And as I mentioned last time, what you weren't able to get on live streaming, that Satan is always working, okay, who is called the devil and Satan. Now, look at what it says here. Dragon, okay, ancient serpent, devil, Satan, who is deceiving the whole world. And we're living at a time now that we have more and more uh, cases and problems of people being deceived totally by Satan the devil. He was cast down to the earth and his angels were cast down with him. Now when he's cast down, he's going to be angry. He's going to come after anyone who has anything to do with the word of God. Okay. Now, when we come over here to Revelation 13, we find this, verse 2. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, feet with the feet of a bear, the mouth the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And we know when we looked at Christ's temptation by Satan the devil, that the major things that Satan uses to tempt people is, number one, food. That is their very existence. So after Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he said, command that these stones become bread. Well, Jesus could have done that. That would have been no problem. But you see, in doing that, who would he have obeyed? Satan instead of God. All right. Then the next one is tempting God by doing dangerous and stupid things because he took him to the top pinnacle of the temple and said, cast yourself down. The angels of God will lift you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Okay. You don't do stupid things to tempt God. Okay. And then the last one was Since he controls the whole world, he offered Jesus his messiahship right then. If Jesus would bow down and worship him as God. And that's what Satan has always wanted. Okay. Now we're going to see quite a few things here about Satan and how he works. So let's come to Ephesians, the second chapter. Let's see how he's working today. All right. And he's got plenty of power. He controls all the governments. He controls all the entertainment. He controls nearly all the Internet. He controls the education. What else? Controls the medicine. 
Virtually everything. Okay. So here's how he does it. He's got a lot of demons, plus he has all of the digital power in his hand to use. This is a statement and a prophecy. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. And you were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, that tied up with what he says there in Romans, the third chapter. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone is living in sin, one degree or another. Now, they may be accepted as as decent, good citizens in the world, but are they breaking the Sabbath? Are they breaking the holy days? Do they keep the holidays of this world? Do they do the things dictated by Satan, the devil? Of course. See? Now, verse 2, in which we walked in times past, according to the course of this world. Now, what is said there in Revelation 18 of the people of God concerning Babylon the Great? Come out of her, my people, that you do not be partaker of her sins and plagues. Correct? Yes, indeed. So, those that God calls, we come out of the world because we're living God's way. But the people in the world don't know. They think they're doing right. Now look at tomorrow. The whole world. They say there's going to be three billion people watching the Super Bowl. And you wait and see. The entertainment at halftime will be nothing but Satanism. Okay? What it will be. That's what it was last year. And remember, at the Grammy Awards, was openly presented in simulated sex in dances, the very acts of Sodom and Gomorrah for which God destroyed those cities. Now, you go online, you can find it. Look up Destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, that area, there's no life. There are no plants. But it's filled with sulfur and brimstone. Because when God sent the fire and brimstone down on Sodom and Gomorrah, he wiped it clean off the face of the earth. The only thing that is visible is where some of the buildings used to be. And the one who was conducting this video presentation He took a piece of sulfur about this big, set it down and took a match and lit it, and it caught fire immediately and started melting. So thorough was that destruction 
of Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities with it, that there was not even one bone of a human being left. Okay? Now, that ought to tell all of us, God means what he says. Course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. John, the 14th chapter, he's called the ruler of this world. And we'll see what he does. And we'll see how he does it, okay? Prince of the power of the air, that spirit that is now working within the children of disobedience. Doesn't mean you're possessed, but a lot of people are. Look at how many people now just take the whole, the whole millions of people who are homeless living on the streets in various cities of America. And that's going to be even compounded more with all the illegal aliens. So we need to really be on guard. Okay. That is now working within the children of disobedience. That doesn't mean he's in them. It means because of the power and projection of the things that he owns, the people that he controls, they are transmitting these things, and that's what people have in their minds, right? And how easy is it to do it? Well, next time you get a song jingle jangling around in your head that was from some advertisement, and you can't get rid of it for a couple of days, that tells you how easy it is for Satan to be working within the children of disobedience. Verse 3, Among whom also we all had our conduct in the lust of our flesh. Look at all of the movies. Look at all, uh, like I mentioned last week, between Hulu, Netflix, and Disney, there are nearly a hundred thousand movies and presentations. Now, if a person started out and was wanting to go along and find out something and watching these movies one after the other, one after the other, and what is it all centered around? Virtually all of it, it is centered around sin, evil, sex, and war and destruction. Okay. Lust of the flesh, doing the things willed by the flesh and by the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as the rest of the world. Then it talks about how God calls us. Okay. Let's look at something. Let's come here to Luke the eighth chapter. Now this is a shorter version of the sower of the seed in Matthew 13. So let's read it here. Okay. Luke 8 and verse 10. Now this is important for us to understand and important for us to realize how Satan has great power and why we need to use the Spirit of God all the time. And this also tells us why we need to study. We need to pray. 
every single day. Because if you know something, and if you don't further reinforce that, you can lose it, right? What happened to so many people in Worldwide when when it came apart? Poof! They just disappeared into the world. All right? Verse 10, Luke 8. And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Now that's quite a thing. Think of what God has entrusted us with. God has entrusted us with the knowledge of his plan, which, as we know, is hidden in the Bible very cleverly by God. But for those who love God and keep his commandments and keep his feasts, they know. And that's why we have the book, God's Plan for Mankind. Now, it's a big, thick book, granted. But that will help you if you don't have it, you write for it. And you need to write for the Passover book because we're just weeks away from the Passover. And remember this, the Passover is the number one target of Satan, the devil, always. Now, why is that? Because that's the renewal of the covenant every year and also the memorial of Jesus' sacrifice. So if he can get people to move away from that, then that's one step away from God. Now, we also find this that is a problem continuously. The Jews who practice Judaism, and this includes Jonathan Kahn. A lot of people are infatuated with him. He keeps a 15th Passover with all the traditions of the Jews and covers his head when he prays with the Jews. Okay? 15th is not the Passover, and God says, a man should not cover his head when he's praying. And then he goes Sunday morning to the Protestants and preaches to them and never tells them they need to keep the Sabbath. Okay. Now, all of those things are avenues into which Satan can move and operate. Okay. So we know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to the rest it is given in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And we'll see how that happens and we'll see who's behind that. Now this is the parable. The seed is the word of God. And those who fell by the road are the ones who hear, but the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart. Interesting. Prince of the power of the air. What can he do? Well, he can put thoughts in your head to get rid of the truth of God. Okay? 
Try that with Sunday keeping. Try that, you know, if you just come right out and say, you know, what day do you keep? Well, I keep Sunday. Well, what day do you think the Bible says to keep? Every single one of the Protestant ministers and the Catholic priests know that it's the seventh day, Saturday today. They all know it. But they don't keep it. Okay. And the first step to understanding God's way is to believe God. So if you hear the word of God and you don't believe it, Satan's right there to take it away and replace it with another thought. Lest they should believe and be saved. Now, the reason that that is there is because God doesn't want shallow conversion. God wants deep conversion, conviction of mind, conviction of speech, conviction of worshiping God and always exalting him and not exalting ourselves. See? And those who fell on the rock are the ones when they hear, receive the word with joy, but these do not have any root. Okay, question. This is something each one of us needs to answer, which is this. How deep do our roots go? And are they settled completely in the word of God? See, so that we can answer the temptations of Satan the devil, like Jesus said, when he said, turn these stones into bread, and he says, it is written. The word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That shows the roots that go down. Okay? And because they didn't have any root, who believe only for a while and in a time of trial, fall away. Well, I'm not going to take that. Okay? Now, what's the greatest temptation that's going to come upon the whole world? You know what that's going to be? A lot of people think it's going to be the tribulation, but it's not. It's going to be the mark of the beast. Now, I'm going to bring some information on that next week. And it's going to be shocking. Because we have arrived at the last step in buying and selling before the implementation of the mark of the beast. So we're getting close. All right, let's continue here. Verse 14, And those that fell into the thorns and are the ones who have heard but are choked while pursuing the cares and riches and pleasures of life. Now notice, cares, you're worried about things. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What am I going to eat? How can I live? Where do I earn enough money? All of those things, okay? And riches, pleasures of life, all wrapped up in sports. Look at all of the sports, okay? Every one of them. Now, if you're going to watch the Super Bowl, you're going to see people 
absolutely infatuated with their teams. They have the hats, they have the shirts, they attend every game, they are there. I mean, when I was watching one game for a little while, there it was, snow coming down and the people filled up the whole arena, 60,000 people to watch this game. And they had on their hats and they had on their shirts and they had on their coats, everything, all, all about the team. Well, what about if you're a tennis fanatic or a golf fanatic or a baseball fanatic or a hockey fanatic, huh? All of those are placers of the world. See? And do not have any fruit to maturity. But those that fell on the good ground are the ones who in a right and good heart hear the word and keep it and bring forth fruit with endurance. Remember what it says. The one who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Okay? Now let's come to Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Let's see how Satan administers all of these things that we have discussed here and see what happens. Okay? Now, and we can see this with the Protestant ministers and the deeply involved Protestant attendees. They believe the lie of Sunday and the pagan holidays, and they believe it firmly. Okay, so the question is, why do they believe it that way, yet pick up the Bible and say they're Christian, yet say that this is done away and that's done away and we don't need to do this and that or the other thing? And that goes against what Jesus said, how we should live. He didn't say, man shall live by whatever words of the Bible he agrees with. Hey, no, he said, by every word of God. All right? Now, this tells you something here interesting. Before we come to chapter 4, let's come to chapter 2, the last verse in chapter 2. And this is for anyone who teaches, preaches, any minister, anyone who is representing God. Okay? For we are not like the many. Isn't that an interesting statement? In Paul's day. Many who for their own profit are corrupting the word of God, but we speak with sincerity as from God and before God and in Christ. Okay. Now let's see how that happens. Paul defines it here. Chapter 3 tells us that Israel that when the book of Moses is read, there's a veil over their eyes. And you'll see that. You talk to any Protestant, okay, and there's a veil over their eyes. And they only see what they want to see and believe what they want to believe instead of really believing God the way that God says. Okay? 
Now here in chapter 4, listen to what Paul says. And these are words for every one of us who are ministers and elders. Therefore, having this ministry according as we have received mercy, we are not faint-hearted. We need to always be strong in God, strong in His Word, strong in the truth, relying on God. And as one man, let's see, what was it? Was Pompeo? Yes, the former uh, Secretary of State, he wrote a book called Never Give an Inch. That's a good title. And that applies to us as well. Never give an inch, because what it what is the old saying? If you give an inch, they take what? A mile. See? For we have personally renounced the hidden things of dishonest gain, not walking in cunning craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. See? You can't handle the word of God deceitfully and represent the God of truth. That's a, a, a Mori oxon. Okay? I don't call it a, an oxymoron because that needs to be flipped around. A Mori, which means idiot, saying. Mori oxon. Okay? Nor handling the word of God deceitfully. So they take the Bible... They open in Romans 10, and they start reading, if you confess, if you believe, you're saved. That's only the first step. See? Now, if that's all that was necessary, then God would have sent a four-page Bible. But he didn't. They're handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestations of the truth... We are commending ourselves to every man's conscience before God, but if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to those who are perishing. How is it hidden? Why are they perishing? See? Didn't we read in Ephesians the second chapter? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, in whom the God of this age... Now, that's quite a statement. It can be transferred world or age. God. The Greek word for God used for the real God is theos. And it's used here of Satan who wants to be God. The God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. And how does he do that? Very simply, you get them to not keep the Sabbath and the holy days and not believe the words of God the way that God wants you to believe them. And they automatically blind themselves. Now think about this when it comes to Satan coming out and being openly worshipped. Okay? And as I mentioned last week, the Satanic Temple is already recognized by the IRS as a legitimate religion. And they're going to be out trying to subvert all Christianity everywhere. Now, a little sidebar on that. 
I've got an email, which I'll, I'll read a little bit more about next week. In the UK, the Church of England, they are setting up a commission on how they need to describe God and eliminate the masculinity of the Father and the Son. Okay? Is the spirit of Satan working in the Church of England now? And other churches? Yes. Let's read on. In whom the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now notice verse 5. Here's the key for every one of us if we're talking about the Bible of God and the Word of God, for every minister and every preacher. Okay. Verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, okay, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves servants for Christ's sake. And that's what needs to be. Every day we all need to believe what we say, your will be done. Okay? Now we'll see some interesting things there. In just a minute. All right. Now, let's come to Second Peter. There we go, second chapter. Now, I don't think we really have a, a deep understanding of the difficulties that they were going through when the apostles were out preaching. See? The only way I can figure it is this. Were there thousands and thousands of Jews who saw Jesus when he was preaching? But how many became converts? How many decided to use the name of Jesus, which they were even doing in Jesus' day? Okay? Because James and John came to Peter and said, Hey, Lord! We saw a man casting out demons in your name, and we forbid him. Okay? And Jesus said, don't forbid him. Those who are on our part are not against us. See? But it doesn't say they were converted. See? That's the key. Conversion. Second Peter. So how? How did all of this transpire? Okay? We'll see in just a bit here. Verse 1, 2 Peter, the second chapter. But there were false prophets among the people, as indeed there will be false teachers among you. And we always have to be on guard so that no one is going to bring in false doctrine. Who will stealthily introduce destructive heresies, personally denying the Lord who bought them. In other words, they were baptized. Okay and bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And many people will follow as authoritative their destructive ways. 
And because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. How do you blaspheme the truth? Well, the number one way they do it today is the law is done away. Then after that, well, Jesus didn't mean that. When it's very clear and everything is right there that he meant it. All right. Hold your place here and let's come to Second Thessalonians, the 11th chapter. And let's see what it tells us here. This is quite a thing. There were those teachers going around saying, we saw Christ, we saw him heal, we heard him pray, we were with him, we believed him. And this Paul that you hear, now he really was never there when all of this was going on. So we're really the ones that know, not Paul. Okay. I mean, you could look at the arguments that will come along with it, right? All right, so here's what Paul writes. He says here, verse 2, For I am jealous over you with the jealousy of God, because I have espoused you to one husband, so that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means... The serpent, as the serpent, where did we read that? Revelation 12 and verse 9, right? As a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. What is the simplest simplicity of Christ? Three words. Obey my voice, right? And it's all written down so we don't have to say, well, what did the Lord say? (laughs) Okay. So he says, Indeed, if someone comes preaching another Jesus whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit which you did not receive, or a different gospel, see, it changes everything. See? Look at the full maturity of it with Protestantism, Catholic Catholicism, and with the true teachings of the Bible and the churches of God. Yes. Quite a difference. And we have the Bible. They're not good enough to have the Bible, but they have to have their translating committees so they can change it the way that they want because they don't like it. All right, let's read on. For indeed, if someone preaches another Jesus whom you did not receive, and so forth, we covered that. Now, come over here to verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, who are transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Now, I have this in mind whenever I watch Daystar or TBN. And they go along and they quote a scripture which is true, and then all of a sudden, we're going to heaven. All of a sudden, there's the Trinity. All of a sudden, there's Sunday keeping. Right? That's how they do it. Deceitful workers. Okay? False apostles who are transforming themselves and to apostles of Christ, saying they're the true ministers of God when they're not. For it is no marvel, because who's behind it? 
Who is behind it? Satan the devil. All right. It is no marvel, for Satan himself transforms himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his servants... Huh. Never think of it that way, right? Servants of Satan? Well, they're so nice. They're so good. Look at the wonderful smile on Joel Olstein. How could he possibly have a deceitful thought in his heart? <laughs> okay. Whose end shall be according to their works. Okay. It's time to take a 20-minute break, so we'll take a 20-minute break and see you then. Greetings, welcome back to Sabbath Services, and let's continue right on here in Second Peter, the second chapter. And let's understand something really important. Sometimes we don't have this in mind, that's why it's good we have the scriptures, so we can be reminded of it. Let's come to Second Peter, second chapter, verse 5. For if God spared not the ancient world, now think about that, okay? Caused the worldwide flood because of what? Sin. Because of what? The thoughts, not just the actions, of everyone was evil all the time. Now we're getting close to that again because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah before the flood, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Okay? Now back to Second Peter, second chapter, verse 5. But save Noah the eighth, a preacher of righteousness, when he brought the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Flood in Greek is kataklismos. And having reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, we already talked about that, condemned them with a catastrophic destruction, making them an example for those who would be ungodly in the future. So that's quite something. You you go online and look up for the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 7, for if he personally rescued righteous Lot. Now, how did he do that? He sent two angels to take care of him, who was oppressed by the lawless ones living in licentious conduct. Now, that's what we have today, that kind of way of doing it. And um, who knows how far it's going to go. Now, verse 8, For that righteous man dwelling among them through seeing and hearing their lawless activities was tortured day and night in his righteous soul. Well, question was, why didn't Lot move sooner? (laughs) I've always asked that myself. Okay, but notice verse 9. This is what we're going to focus on. The Lord knows how to rescue the ungodly 
out of temptation and to reserve the unrighteous to the day of judgment to be punished. Okay? But particularly those who walk after the flesh in corrupting lust and hold in utter contempt the lordship of God. They are audacious and self-willed. They are not afraid to blaspheme divine powers. Now that's the way that they are acting today. And what is a new offspring of their religion? Global climate change. That's a religion to them. Okay? Now, let's come to Matthew, the sixth chapter. We'll see something here very interesting. Now, we were talking about the, uh, uh, during the break. What was that, Steve, that we were talking about? Uh, Newsmax. Newsmax, yes. About being cut off. About the time that they will stop all of this instant communication to anyone they want to stop it. Now, AT&T, you know what AT&T is? Okay. That is the largest corporation in the world controlling communications. Next one is Disney World. Okay. They cut off Newsmax, which was the fourth largest news broadcaster online. Just cut them off because they wanted to cut them off. Why? Because they didn't like their politics, and they didn't like what they were preaching and teaching, and they didn't like to be exposed by little, how shall we say, underlings such as those who are working for Newsmax. They've asked for a protest against AT&T, but nothing has happened. So let's all take that as a great, great warning, don't depend on the Internet. So if you want to download anything from our website and put it on that computer so you can have it there, you do it. Okay? Because the time is going to come, you're not going to be able to get to truthofgod.org. All right, now back here to Matthew, the sixth chapter, in verse 9. This has to do with prayer. Daily prayer, that's important. And you won't realize how important it is until you are praying every day, day and night, and studying along the way as you're going. Okay? So Jesus said, Therefore you are to pray after this manner, Our Father who is in heaven. Pause right here. All of those who are wrapped up in sacred names, listen up. The sacred name in the New Testament is in Greek, not Hebrew. And the one who is the highest of the Old Testament is called the Father. That's his sacred name. And Jesus said in John 17, I have revealed your name to them. What name did Jesus reveal? The Father. No other name. 
You search high and low in the New Testament, you won't find any other name. Okay? The Father. Now, the ultimate of grace is not just having your sins forgiven, that's the start. Not just having a relationship available to you with God and praying to God, but that you, through the grace of God, and everyone else who has the Holy Spirit of God, can pray directly to the Father. And that's what Jesus said. He said, you pray to the Father in my name. And you pray to him because the Father loves you. Okay. Now that's important with this prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be or holy is your name. Now then, verse 10, your kingdom come. What does it say we are to seek first? Last verse over here, 33. Same chapter, verse 33. But as for you, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Okay. So that shows how our daily lives need to be. Okay. Your kingdom come. Now the next one. Your will be done. Now think of that. Not our individual will, not the will of someone else, but the will of God. And why do we need to pray that every day? Because if we don't, what are we going to do? Sooner or later, we'll be slipping in our way. Other people will come along and they'll slip in their way. And then you're taken away from God. Okay? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You think there's anyone around the throne of God that isn't worshiping God? Huh? No. Read Revelation, the fifth chapter. Okay? Give us this day our daily bread... And realize, think about this, what God is doing for all the world and providing food for all mankind and not having to do with conversion, but just food for everyone. Because sooner or later, when the second resurrection comes, they'll be part of the plan of God. And think of what God does to provide food. Think of that the next time you go into the supermarket and... They still have their shelves full. And look at everything that is there. Everything that is there. Okay? Then when you get home, think about if you had to have your own garden, raise your own food, raise your own chickens, raise your own goats and sheep and cattle, and then think what it, what a, what it would take, now, you raise your own cattle, you're not, it's not going to be like going to the store and buying a steak. You're not going to take the cattle and say, hold over here, I'm going to cut off this rib with the meat I want. <laughs> you know, you got to kill the whole thing. What are you going to do with, with everything, see? So think about all of that. Think about having to produce your own food all the time. 
See? God provides it for us, okay? Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. What is our debt? Not what we owe someone else, but we're indebted to God because of our sins for having our sins forgiven. And in Colossians, the second chapter, what is nailed to the cross is the note of debt of our sin. Not the commandments of God. Now you see how they twist it and turn it and say the commandments of God were nailed to the cross? Well, the only thing nailed to the cross was Jesus and the one that said that he was king of the Jews. Okay? As we also forgive our debtors. Now, God wants us to forgive those who sin against us. Why? Because if we hold it in, we get bitter and we get angry. Now, who set the example on forgiveness? Jesus did. That's the first thing he said when he was nailed to the cross, right? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, think about that. Those who hated him, those who plotted and schemed to get him, those who were wanting to kill him for all the time of his ministry— and finally, through Satan the devil and Judas Iscariot to fulfill prophecy, he was betrayed and arrested and falsely tried and convicted because the mob wanted to crucify him. Okay? And lead us not into to temptation. Now, that could also be trial. But rescue us from the evil one. Now, that becomes very important, see. Rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Okay? Let's see something. Let's come to Colossians, the first chapter, about being rescued. Now, that's pretty important, isn't it? Isn't it quite a thing that we can be rescued from Satan the devil? kept from being swept into his clutches. That's why we need to pray it every day. Rescued. Not just keep us from it. Rescued. Because the trap can be set. Okay? Come here to Colossians, the first chapter. So let's pick it up here in verse 9. First chapter, Colossians. For this cause we also, from the day that we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. Now, that's another thing. Pray for all the saints. Even pray for those you don't know. Pray for those wherever they may be in the world because God is doing a bigger work than what we may ever know. And we'll find out sooner or later when we are resurrected, okay? And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, that's quite a thing, isn't it? Look at that statement. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. So when we say, your will be done, we've got the whole Bible, see? The knowledge of it. And if we're filled with it, what are we going to do? We're going to act upon that, correct? Yes. 
That's what we're going to do. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding, and that you may walk worthily of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful unto every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory, unto all endurance and long suffering with joy. So that summarizes what kind of life we are to be living in our relationship with God. Okay? Now notice the next two verses. Because look at all that preceded that. And if we're doing all that preceded this, then the next two verses become very important. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. And that's how we started out the prayer, our Father, who has made us qualified for the share of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So that's quite a thing. God qualifies us. We don't qualify ourselves. God does. And how is that? By constantly seeking his will and his knowledge. Who has personally rescued us from the power of darkness, and that's Satan's world. He has rescued us. Now, think of it this way. What if you were in a situation that you were entrapped so badly that you needed to have the fire department and the medicals come and get you out of a hole that you fell in? And there's no way you can get out of that hole except they help you. Well, that's the way it is with God with us. God rescues us from Satan the devil because he's got a lot of schemes going and he's got a lot of things that he's doing and we need to be aware of it and that's why we need to stay close to God, see? And he personally rescues us, okay, from the power of darkness and has transferred us unto the kingdom of the Son of His love. That means now we're under the authority of Christ, not under the authority of Satan the devil. Okay? So that's quite a thing, how he rescues us and brings all of these things to us. All right? Now let's come to Ephesians 4. Okay, let's begin in verse 22. Now, this is a constant thing that we're doing, and that's called growing in grace and knowledge. Okay? Verse 22, Ephesians 4, that concerning your former conduct, you put off the old man. Don't go out and be the way you were before you were converted. Put on the new man, which according to God is created. Now, that means being created. So what God is doing in our hearts and in our minds is creating his laws, his character, his love, his attributes, and everything that we need. See? Now, we can be thankful of one thing. The establishment cannot cut off our prayers. 
cannot. We have direct access to God every time we get on our knees. Okay? Being created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Well, that's quite a statement, isn't it? You ever thought of about truth being holy? There it is, because it comes from God. Therefore, let each man put away lies and speak the truth with his neighbor, because we are members of one another. And when you become angry, do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, that's quite a thing. If you have something where you get angry, you can get angry, but you can't let it come past sundown. Now, why? Number one, don't pollute the new day that begins at sundown with wrath and anger that you're holding to someone. Okay? And also understand this, that if you put all of your anger aside before you go to bed, then you're going to sleep better. Okay? Now, if you don't, look at what it says here, next verse. Neither give place to the devil. Okay? Now, how do you give place to the devil? By not staying close to God. Now, let's see some other things here we need to look at. Satan is going to be there. Let's come to Revelation, the second chapter. We're going to look at the seven churches. And we are going to see that in all of the churches, Satan is mentioned. With the exception of Sardis and Laodicea, Quite interesting. Now we can see what happens and how these things come about. Okay? So let's come here to Revelation, the second chapter, and let's look and see how Christ is involved with the churches, meaning he's also involved with us individually as we have already covered See? Revelation 2, verse 1. And to the angel of the Ephesian church write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Christ is in the midst of his church. And that's why it's important that Christ be in each one of us So when we come together as a group, that it is the brethren of God assembled to worship God. Okay? I know your works. Now, isn't that interesting? Through all of the churches, what does he say? I know your works. He doesn't say, I know your faith. Very interesting. Protestants say faith and grace and no works. Christ says works, the good works that God has ordained you should walk in. 
Okay. And he says, in your labor and your endurance, you cannot bear those who are evil and did test those who proclaimed themselves to be apostles but are not and did find them liars. Okay. Now, who sent the false apostles? Satan. That's what we read in 2 Corinthians 11, right? Such are false apostles. You have to test them. You have borne much and have endured for my name's sake and have labored and have not grown weary. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. Now that's quite a statement. Okay. How does that happen? How do people lose the first love of God? They get involved in doing other things. It may be helping other people. It may be worthy. But when it takes up all your time and you forget God, and you forget your love for God, then that comes in as a substitute to take you away from God. So he says, Therefore repent from where you have fallen and do the first works. For if you do not, I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. So God wants us to repent every day. That's why it says in the daily prayer, forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins. Every single day. So this shows that they became so familiar with it that they took it for granted and didn't continue in what they needed to do. Okay? But you ate the work of the Nicolaitans. Okay? The next church, Satan, through the synagogue of Satan. Now the church at Smyrna, they had to suffer martyrdom. And suffering martyrdom and yielding to God, when that comes, that's worth a lot of knowing doctrine. Why? Because you have shown your determination to love God, even though you die. So Jesus says, that they are the synagogue of Satan. Let's pick it up here, verse 9. To the Samaritans, okay? I know your works and tribulation, that you are rich, and the blasphemy of those who declare themselves to be Jews, but are not, but are of a synagogue of Satan. Now, we'll see that again a little later on. The synagogue of Satan still exists today. And that's the whole world system. And now it's coming together in a one-world government. It's having a hard time doing it, but sooner or later it will happen. And also it has to do with a lot of the business people. Because Revelation 18 says, And the merchants of the earth waxed rich through the abundancy of the delicacy of Babylon the Great. Okay? Now look at all of the rich people. 
Look at the billionaires that went to Davos. All of them set on the satanic agenda to capture and enslave the whole world to their will. Well, here with the church at, at Smyrna, they suffered martyrdom. So Christ said, don't worry about that. I'll give you eternal life. Then we come to the church at, at Pergamos. Now the church at Pergamos uh, is quite interesting. And, of course, he finished off to the church at Smyrna. He says, let the one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who overcomes will not be heard of the second death. So we need to hear what Christ has to say to all the churches. Okay? And we can rest assured that just as the seven churches were there at the time that this was written, that in the world today, there are what God would look at would be the seven churches today. Okay? Now, Church of Pergamos, verse 12. These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, which is what? The word of God. So what does this tell us? This tells us that they slacked off on following the word of God. Now let's see how that happened and how it, would, it looked so convenient. Okay? Verse 13, I know your works and where you dwell, where the throne of Satan is. And they had a big altar to Satan in Pergamos. But you are holding fast my name and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas, my faithful witness or martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. See, now, where does Satan dwell today? Well, he probably dwells in different places from time to time. Sometimes he's in Rome. Sometimes he's in Washington, D.C. Sometimes he's in New York City. Sometimes he's somewhere else, okay? But notice what happens. When you get close to the world, and Satan is the god of this world, and you start bringing in some of the things of Satan because they look good. How did that happen? How does it happen? Okay. Well, here's the principle to remember. What is the tree that the world feeds on? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. Now when there's some good in the world, and it looks good, but it's of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which means it comes from Satan the devil, and you bring it in, and you start doing it, you're grafting in the good from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to the word of God and what you must be doing. See? Now how could that be? Okay. It could start out, well, let's join this whole group which is feeding the poor in this city, and you get all devoted in it, and then you start 
fraternizing with those of different religions. And they're nice people, and they're good people, and they have good ideas. But they're Sunday keepers and Christmas keepers, and, and, and as such, though they don't know it, Satan worshipers. So, he says, I know your works where Satan's throne is, and you're holding fast my name. But he says, verse 14, I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the teaching of Balaam. Holding on to grasping for money. Using religion for money's sake. And also to go against the word of God. So what happens when you get things watered down and you bring in the good from the world here and the good from the world there? Okay. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit fornication? Now, what do you suppose that means spiritually? What do those today who call themselves Christians, what do they take today that is sacrificed to demons? It's called the Eucharist, the sacrifice of the Mass. See, Christ was sacrificed once. Now, they can take it every day. Or many times a day. Because they have twisted the scripture in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, that as often as you eat this bread or as often as you drink this cup, on the surface, that looks like as often as you want to. Could you take it every hour if you want to? Would that make you more righteous? Okay. No. No. And they don't tell you that there's one word in the Greek which is not translated, and it's the Greek word on, A-N, pronounced on, which means there are circumstances and qualifications to the statement often as. That's explained in the Passover book. What are the qualifications? In the night that he took the bread. Okay. When did he take that? Night of the 14th. So, when is the Passover? Another qualification. 14th day of the first month according to the calculated Hebrew calendar. How often do they take the Eucharist? Well, every day in a Catholic church. Many times on Sunday morning. And they don't call it the Passover. They call it what? The Lord's Supper. And Paul said, don't call it the Lord's Supper. It's not that. Okay? So that's what it means here, eating things sacrificed to idols. Verse 15. 
You also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. And the Nicolaitans is what? A hierarchical government from the top down where the ministers are then the enforcers of the word of God. All right. So he tells them to repent. And if they don't repent, they're going to be out of luck. Then you come to the church of Thyatira, and what a church that is. That one was perhaps the most corrupt of all. And they were confronted with the synagogue of Satan and the practices of Jezebel. And Jezebel was what? The daughter of the high priest of Baal, as we find in the Old Testament. Okay. Now, who considers herself the mother church in the world today? The Catholic Church. Okay. So that's what we have today. Verse 18, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write these things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet like uh, fine brass. I know your works and your love and your service and your faith and your endurance and your works, and the last are more than the first. But I have a few things against you because you allow the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to committing fornication and eating things sacrificed to idol. Now, what is that the fornication is not physical sexual lewdness, but changing from Sabbath to Sunday and from holy days to holidays. And hasn't the whole world followed that? Yes, indeed. What happens when people get wound up in all of that? All right. So the whole point of what I'm getting at here is this. Satan is always looking for an opportunity to come after the people of God, individually and collectively. So when Satan comes out into the open to be worshipped, which they're now doing, as we have covered, as we covered last week, it's going to be something. And we will be hated Okay, that's already there. So he told him here, unless you unless you repent, you're going into great tribulation. Now, verse 23, and I will kill her children with death. Now, that's got to mean the second death, because if someone is killed, they're already dead, right? And all the churches will know. Now, this is the message to all of us everywhere. I am he who searches the reins and heart, and I give to each of you according to your works. Then he says, to those who have not known the depths of Satan. So how far has some of the churches of God gone? See? Well, look at how far that they have gone in Protestantism and Catholicism. See? came out of it. Then we have the church at Sardis, who has a name but dead. Then we have the church at Philadelphia that is commended 
keeping the word of God faithfully, so let's remember that, and that he will keep us from the temptation which is coming upon the whole world. And that temptation, as we will see, is not the tribulation. We'll cover that next week. Okay. Then we come to the Laodiceans. And it's interesting that, being lukewarm, they take things for granted. And we've covered enough of this to know that some of them are not converted because Jesus said, I knock at the door, and that's the door of their minds, and I will come in and sup with you, and you with me. That means they weren't converted. So how many, how many are attending? Some people remember down in Pasadena when even Herbert Armstrong said, he said, well, I doubt if half of you are even converted out there. Okay? And he says, I also doubt about some of these ministers if they're converted. See? Well, that was prophetic. See? So what does this tell us? That that church was Laodicean from the beginning. Okay? So all of that involved. We need to realize that Satan is going to come out in the open and present himself as the great savior of the world, which then is going to lead to the greatest catastrophes the world has never seen. So Satan is going to come out of the closet, and he's going to be there, and everybody is going to be excited and be worshiping him, not knowing the disasters that are coming. So see you next week. Hopefully, AT&T doesn't cut us off.